0: Hi, and welcome to the Post Acute Point of View, our discussion hub for healthcare technology in the out of hospital space. Here we talk about the latest news and views on trends and innovation that can impact the way post acute care providers work. And we take a look at how technology can make a difference in today's changing healthcare landscape, in both home based and facility based care organizations and the lives of the people they serve. Let's dive in.
1: I'm Tim Regan with Senior Housing News. We're gonna talk about nutrition management and senior living, which if you're an operator, it's no secret that that's become a lot harder with the pandemic and its many pressures. I think we'd all agree that nutrition safety is critical to really any senior living operation. And there's evidence that having accurate nutrition data supports better resident outcomes. Also, I think there's evidence that sharing information across multiple domains can help operators plan meals more effectively and help them purchase ingredients for that. It can also be a great sales and marketing tool to increase occupancy uh, resident satisfaction, referrals. So, today we are going to hear from three expert panelists on how operators can learn the secret ingredient of nutrition management. So, I'm going to introduce our panel. Joining us first, we have Lee Kilmer. Lee is Senior Vice President of Product Management and Commercialization at Matrix Care. A little bit about Lee he has 24 years of experience in enterprise software, including in analytics, healthcare and operability, cloud computing, and user experience. So, welcome, Lee. We also have Amy Wooten. Amy is director of nutrition at Matrix Care. She's also a registered dietitian who is licensed in the state of Florida with over 18 years of experience in clinical nutrition leadership for senior housing communities, as well as acute care, food service management, nutrition informatics, and wellness education. So welcome, Amy. And then finally, last but not least, we have Amber Pintar. Amber is corporate dietitian at Healthcare Services Group. She is also a registered and licensed dietitian and at Healthcare Services Group, she focuses on menu development and creating tools to maintain dining quality for long-term care, acute care and rehab communities. So welcome Amber. All right, so we've got a lot to cover. Let's jump into it. So I think Lee, we will start with you. My first question is how difficult is it to implement an automated nutrition management tool that integrates with an electronic health record system?
2: Yeah, thanks, Tim, and thank you, everybody, as well. Yeah, to answer that question, Tim, first of all, there are some basic needs that we think about. So, obviously, you want to make sure you have things like an executive sponsor who's really helping to oversee the project and can make quick decisions if needed, if something needs that level of decision-making. You obviously need an overall project leader to make sure everybody is staying on track and bring together different work streams to ensure the implementation comes off well. You often need a change management plan right? So there's training involved, there could be workflow changes, there might be software training, and of course, lastly, good collaboration across the team. And on that collaboration note, it's really important to make sure that nursing and dietary are really on the same page in a number of areas. Things like which diets are going to be served in the facility, what EMR integrations or EHR integrations might be needed to help drive and automate workflows, potentially some practice changes. For example, things like how a nurse enters an order in the system, how that flows through to the dining platform and and visibility that the staff has on that side to the dining and nutrition needs of that resident. Teams should of course agree on things like diet formulary and and really it's important to be upfront across the team on the implementation timeline, the goals and objectives and key milestones to make sure that the implementation comes off successfully.
1: So you have all this aggregated data can you tell me how you can use that to report out nutrition outcomes or meals provided to residents?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first of all, it's really important to have, make sure you have all the data, you know, kind of connected together. And it's ideal to have it, you know, really in one solution where the nutrition information is connected with the resident or the patient information, you know, really all within one, one database or one system, which makes it a lot easier to uh, to gain access for reporting. And that allows you to really normalize the data into kind of a common format, connect that to the resident, and, and then drive reporting and analytics off of that. You know, some examples of where pulling that data together can help provide benefits. So, things like having accurate and useful information for operators around their diets being served, who is being served, what the residents' uh, requirements are, information around the management of the dining operation in terms of food costs and, and other things that go into managing the dining operation, monitoring things like weights or malnutrition for the resident and information that can help promote or improve meal production. So when you think about you know, really reporting and bringing data together, it's key to think about what kinds of measurements you want to really understand the sort of the performance if you will of the dining operation and then make sure you've got the information available and understand what information is needed to drive those kinds of measurements and help monitor performance.
1: Can you also talk about how and why format matters when you're integrating this data?
2: Yeah, format of the data is key. It gets a little technical talking about some of this, but you know, standardized data formats are how computer systems speak to each other and having codes in the data or common data structures and common understanding and terminology sets around the data is really key to driving efficiencies and driving insights and really is a preferred best practice. So when you think about integrations, using standards like HL7 or FHIR formats to really make sure that disparate applications or disparate systems can talk to each other is really, really key. And of course, without that standardization, Can lead to a lot of problems. So standardized data can help promote things like exact census matching, making sure you're accurately identifying the rooms that the residents are living in, improving interdisciplinary care, improving safety, helping to drive staff efficiency, and even integration of things like food service items or nutrients, pricing across the dining service and across the production locations are all enabled by using a standard formats for data and making sure that that's what's driving the integrations.
1: Absolutely. So I have a question for you about key analytics. We've talked about using technology and standardized data for dining services. So what key analytics can you derive from all of that?
2: Yeah, for sure. So. It's just some some basic examples that we think about just things like the help in the production or the management of the dining operation so it might be things like you know what items are being served how frequently which orders are being placed so really understanding what's being produced and how it's being consumed information about production just to make sure that really the, the kitchen is operating efficiently and that waste is minimized as much as possible diet tracking especially around the resident just to make sure that they're receiving the diet and also the the diets are being prepared their meals are being prepared in the way that that they need malnutrition awareness which is something that we've been looking at a lot lately in terms of really understanding the risk of malnutrition and potential actions that can be taken to help uh, reduce that risk and then of course being able to look at things like food and labor costs Uh, which are so critical to monitor in long-term care housing. So I think the key is really to understand what kinds of metrics that you want to track around your dining operation and look for analytics that can help manage costs, monitor resident health and safety, and really provide or promote insights into efficiencies, especially around labor and production.
1: So I have to assume that it's important to standardize your terminology when you're doing all of this. I mean, you you know, apples must you must compare apples with apples. I guess how does that impact the transition of data?
2: Yeah, it's a good question, and definitely standardized terminology not only helps keep people on the same page about about what they're talking about, right? So, how do you refer to you know certain parts of the organization and and improving communication and ability to share information across different parts of the organization? So, for example, things like standardizing order types, diet order types, for example, to help keep the nursing and the dietary staff really on the same page about what's being ordered and how that order is being fulfilled, helping to, you know, really provide standardized information and terminology during transitions of care. So, if somebody is coming from the hospital to a skilled nursing setting, having clear communication about what that person needs based on some sort of standardized terminology, again, keeping safety in mind as a key driver it's very, very important.
1: If if I'm a senior living operator, where would I go for standardized terminology or how would I look to do that?
2: Yeah, so just a couple of quick responses there. So standardized terminology can be found on resources, web-based resources. So for example, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, HL07 as well has a lot of information around nutrition orders and there are other sources out there as well.
1: Great. Well, Lee, thank you. Amy, I'm gonna ask you some questions now. So I'll ask you some questions about staff efficiency and purchasing and production benefits. So I guess, Amy, to start with, how do supply chain challenges affect your purchasing pattern? I've heard time and time again, how many operators have said they're preparing for issues with their supply chain during this pandemic. So how do those challenges affect your purchasing pattern?
3: Yeah, I think this really requires a whole deep dive, we can do a whole topic just about this, (laughs) into areas of the whole food industry, allocations of food from vendors and making menus that comply with regulatory balancing that. We're in a present day challenge, really, to balance all of those things and truly understand how our food supply works is important from the agricultural standpoint, right? How it grows, how food actually starts. The industry is dealing with environmental challenges, of course, and then supplies themselves. But what about manufacturers? They also are dealing with challenges to get that from the agricultural teams that produce the product and then packaging that, right? Think of all the man hours it might take to package up a product that they've received. They don't have staff just like the rest of the (laughs) the country right now you know we're dealing with a major staff issue and then delivery challenges on top of that so getting that to the distributors and then those distributors getting that to you in the hands of the operators is a balance that our dining operators have to deal with those distributors have staffing challenges as well loading the trucks packaging that maybe not having the availability that you the operator needs so you know a lot of flexibility has to go in that and then dealing with the gas prices hello we have a huge gas price challenge so those are coming onto that dining operator they're a bit accustomed to dealing with this but you know now more than ever with the pandemic and gas and you know we can't go without saying anything about the russian invasion to ukraine that's going to impact our entire food supply chain they've learned to adjust quickly and resource products right properly but They may look to monitor more closely to resources that are out there, and I would suggest using something like the USDA's website. They have a blog about the food industry, what's going on, so they can keep up to date with that. Also, your consumer report index about commodities and the prices and what's happening, so they can look to that resource. And, of course, partnering with your food vendor. You know, they need to be your partner, not just your vendor making sure you're getting some information with them, timely sit down and have those conversations. What's in my supply? Maybe a weekly, you know, every other day conversation. What do you have? How can I make my menu work with what you have to deliver to me? Some tips also at the facility level, you know, I would say having a conversation with your residents, your customers, whoever you're serving, you know, routinely. We're in the supply chain challenge. This is what's going on. Bring it to the forefront to them so they understand your flexibility that you have to You know, ask of them about many changes, maybe make a menu that's a little more not as far out. Most operators work to do things like a four week cycle. Maybe you go to a two week cycle and a little more flexibility there and then be adaptable maybe to different brands even. Right. You shouldn't be stuck in the same brand you always buy because it might not be there. So maybe try another brand that might offer the same product yield or nutrient yield that you would want. So those are some challenges and some tips that they could go.
1: You know, I talk with a lot of senior living operators in my day to day. And I I often hear, I mean, obviously, the staffing problems are widespread. I think if you're a senior living operator, you're having them right now. And one of the ways I hear operators talk about solving some of those challenges is through technology. Uh, So how can technology help with staff efficiency?
3: Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, technology is our time saver. Everybody uses it to make their life faster and easier. So it's going to take that manual steps that they may have been doing in the past, those hand writing down selections, going to count tallies right off the table. Now they'll be able to automate that for them, having that tool in their hand to do so. You know, the staffing crisis that we're in, of course, the dining operators are dealing with that and they need this now more than ever to have the technology so their staff can be more efficient. If you don't hear anything else today, that's what you need to hear. This technology makes your staff more efficient because we're definitely in that crisis. It can help them again, take those orders and get those selections in real time, maybe make adjustments to menus and recipes quickly when they don't have it available talking about recipes, it can automate that process where you don't have to recalculate how much you're serving because your census has changed so drastically or you know a product has changed, now I have to adjust my recipe and how I'm producing. That whole ease and flexibility that technology offers is key for your operators.
1: Great, and just as an aside, I see all kinds of interesting technology these days, so it is it is fascinating. So another thought, I hear this from operators sometimes too, how can using technology streamline production in your culinary program to avoid things like food waste, which is a big focus for some operators?
3: You know, it's key. Technology is key to any kitchen operator to have fine-tuned production. We want to make sure we're being efficient, not wasting food. Nobody wants to throw it out. No one wants to waste the efforts of the great cooks and chefs that they have in their operation putting that food together. So using technology can help provide those accurate tracking of how much to produce and when, as I mentioned, that real time counts, you know, not to be repeating myself, but that's really the benefit of technology and food waste. So you know what you're producing, exact amounts, you know, exact details, and you're not wasting any food that way. It really can help quickly remove any worry of how much you're producing or how much you're leaving on the table, so to speak.
1: Also, I mean, with the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously technology has played a a great role, I think, in keeping residents connected and in their communities. But Mm -hmm. how has technology helped with dining services and senior living during the pandemic?
3: Well, uh, you probably heard we all had to eat from home and no one had to go out. Same thing happened. All the residents had to eat in their room. No more dining room, restaurant style buffets, none of that. So operators had to quickly pivot with how they completely change how they serve these residents or these customers in their senior living environments. They had to redesign not only their staff, but maybe their production details to service that, how they're gonna get those resident preferences, that what they like to eat, when they like to eat it. So having the technology, if they've already had it implemented, they were ahead of the game. They could just go on their computer, adjust where their rooms are gonna be assigned to, no longer eating the dining room, okay, I have to reserve them in their room. So it was pretty easy for them, so to speak. But then it allowed them also to go mobile. They can take that technology and go ask the nurse who's the only one allowed in the room to get the preferences and put them on the tablet. So you have that, you know, and it really changed how they completely did their operations. And some of that, you know, is maintained still today because they found the technology has really benefited them in how they service. Some kitchens even became shopping stores or grocery stores, so to speak, so where independent living residents were maybe be able to order their food right from the kitchen and be us delivered to their room or their location where they were housed. Making payments online, doing that point of sale situation all became a lot more easier with the use of technology and just probably a challenge that was in there with that also was for those seniors that may not be adaptable to technology, right? They were not familiar. So you had that learning curve that they had to deal with. But having that user experience be simplified, I think, is key, you know. So taking a look at technology that's really simple for the user is very important.
1: And I think, you know, if, if you've been reading senior housing news, then you've been reading stories about how important it has been to use technology to keep residents engaged as they are having to stay in their rooms. I actually do want to spin that a little bit though. If I'm a food operator specifically, you know, I'm not in activities or programming. If I'm in culinary, why do I need technology to drive engagement and satisfaction to reduce turnover?
3: Yeah, for your staff, for sure. You want to make sure they need technology to live, right? They want to use their phone. They want to use their tablet. They want to have that connection all the time. So it attracts people. If you say, I have a, a tablet for you to use to do your job and it'd be more efficient, it attracts them to say, I can run my reports right here for you so you can make your job a lot easier so you don't have to sit there and hand count everything. I think that's really the benefit to keeping and reducing the staff. Involve them and engage them in the technology that you're using on your campus. So, even the dining operator, that team is familiar with how frequent technology is used today. So, they should be able to be involved in that and have buy in and want to be able to use that technology to their benefit for their everyday. It really helps keep you guys engaged as far as your dining operators with your team members and then to keep your team members interested so they don't go down the street to get the job down the street.
1: Great. All right, Amber, I wanna ask you some questions now. We'll talk a little bit about nutrition safety, meal planning, and food cost control. I guess my first question is just sort of give us an overview. How does technology improve nutrition safety?
4: All right. So I think that we can actually approach this from two different angles. First, more relevant to me is from the menu building side. So we use menu management software to build our menus, including our therapeutic diets, our texture modified diets. You know, we review the allergies and we really want to make sure that we are building a bulletproof menu and system that we feel good sharing with our clients. So being able to use the technology to review our diet extensions, you know, ensuring that there is is consistency for our therapeutics and consistency modified diets. That's really key for us. There's a lot of nutrition reporting, including our nutrition reports, our cost reports that, you know we're getting real time information from Food Data Central for nutrition reports and costing reports from our purveyors as Amy had kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. So from that aspect, from the menu building side, we feel very strongly that technology is extremely important Managing on our end for the menu build. As far as the nutrition safety, I want to go back a little bit to what Lee had mentioned regarding the integration between the medical record, the EHR, EMR, to the menu management software. So, we do have an integration that supports more of like a real time communication of resident information. And that's really imperative and key to ensure that our residents, our clients are staying safe. So, think about the staffing challenges, as Amy had mentioned, we know that everyone is experiencing that from nursing, activities, dining. So being able to have that integration and the communication through that technology really reduces a miscommunication or a missed diet requisition slip where, you know, maybe the kitchen wasn't made aware of a diet change for a resident or a resident, you know, shouldn't receive a tray because of a procedure. So it's really imperative to use technology to the fullest extent, use the integrations that we have to ensure that we're keeping everybody safe.
1: Yeah, those are great points. You know, I think it's no secret that senior living communities are full of different dining venues these days, bistro, family style, fine dining, buffet, maybe before the pandemic, private dining, all this other stuff. So how does technology help senior living organizations keep up demand for their different dining venues, such as the ones I just mentioned?
4: Sure, absolutely. So I think that technology is extremely helpful in streamlining the information that we need from many different sources. So we can get the information from the medical record if it's more of a long-term care community. There's also a point of service that our clients can use to order if they're in more of that dining room setting. But it's been extremely important, especially through this pandemic, where we've had a lot of our communities have to go to in-room menu service versus the dining rooms and the buffets to really streamline the information. Information we're receiving into the reports for production, ordering, you know, our shopping list to ensure that we're we're getting all the information that we need. So I think that technology, we need to stay relevant. I think that we're always gonna be pushing the envelope to see that the technology is staying up to, you know, the times and we're not putting out an antiquated system. You know, I think the pen and paper service is a little bit outdated at this point. I think our, our clients are really expecting to see that we're staying up with the times and we're able to offer kind of the most up-to-date services. So I think that really the most important thing to be able to offer is a little bit of consistency across all of those different dining venues.
1: So how can technology be leveraged to enhance things like wellness and just in general, the the resident's dining experience?
4: Sure. So I think that a few years ago when we started seeing nutrition information at restaurants and dining establishments, I think that really opened up everyone's eyes to reviewing the information that's there, looking at the choices available and being able to make an educated decision on what is going to be a good meal for me. You know, we all have different health ailments. We're working in long-term care communities. We're working in assisted living and independent living where maybe the needs are going to be different across all of those centers. So being able to provide nutrition information just from the ordering screen. In long-term care, maybe a little bit more relevant than assisted living, really being able to narrow down the selections for the population, for what's relevant for their diet and consistency. So, you know, maybe they're not seeing the whole menu. They're seeing what would be appropriate for them. I think that is one step in really more so the wellness. I think for the residential dining experience, it's really important that we are staying up to speed again with that technology and we're helping them feel like they're still part of the community. They still have that decision-making ability. We've seen a lot of our communities move more to the, the point-of-sale system where they can make their selections and they can even set their time that they'd like to eat. Moving away from the traditional breakfast, lunch, and dinner timelines where they have an hour time slot, maybe now we're opening that up a little bit more and making it feel a little bit more relevant to the dining preference that they had before entering a community. It's important to make sure that we're following those cues from our community, from our clients to make them feel as most at home as we can.
1: Great. Another question I have, I've written a couple stories that have touched upon this. Food costs, so many things that are affecting food costs these days. So Amber, I wanted to ask you, what food cost challenges have you experienced during the pandemic?
4: I think Amy touched on a lot of it. Obviously there has been inflation. I think we have all felt that even going to the supermarket to pick up our normal order of groceries. It's a lot of inflation in there. But in addition to that, we've dealt with a lot of product availability concerns. We have had our vendor partners narrow down their line of products that they've been producing because they don't have the staffing and the manpower to be able to switch the line to create all of the different products that we have kept in our menu suite. So we've really had to kind of narrow down to core selection of products. Maybe instead of a chicken breast and a chicken thigh and bone in chicken, we may have had to kind of scale that back a little bit based on what our manufacturers are putting out. In addition to the product availability with the shortage in transportation, maybe our operating companies aren't receiving the products that they had anticipated that we've spec out. We know it's a good product. We've cut it, meaning that we've tested that product using our own recipes. So we've had to really pivot to maybe using a different cut of meat or using a different supplier or brand in that sense. So that way we're ensuring we're still getting a product in there. But it certainly has been a challenge. We've tried to kind of review the menu and try to take as much of those concerns out as we can so that our operators in the accounts aren't left feeling as though they have that burden of making that decision of what should I serve now? Is this appropriate? So we've tried to manage through that by updating our menu a little bit more frequently. We work very closely closely with our vendor partners and our GPOs to ensure that we're looking not only what's available right now, but what's available in six months from now. And do we have an appropriate menu that takes that into consideration? So a significant impact. It's an impact that we're all feeling both in our communities and elsewhere at home. So we're just trying to continue to manage that as best we can and be creative with how we're really supporting our communities.
3: Tim, one example of that, just to chime in, just on a personal note, my husband loves French fries. Loves them. There was like a couple weeks went by in the grocery store. You cannot find French fries. As Amber said, they had to pivot and change how they're producing different products just for the staffing and the availability of
4: the product. So,
3: you know, everyone probably has that one personal issue that they couldn't find in the grocery store. And
4: by state, by region, they were seeing the impact. Just another example of that, and, and something that we may have seen or felt the impact of are are soup manufacturers. I'm not going to mention any name brands. I think we know a few soup manufacturers, but just really narrowing down the line of even canned soups. So, you know, thinking of a time of a staffing concern, where we may not be able to make those good, nutritious, home-cooked soups, we didn't really even have a canned alternative to transition to as they had really narrowed down their line as well. And that's something that we'll continue to experience for a few more quarters. It's The rebound time on that isn't going to be very quick, fortunately. So it's something that we're working and trying to keep relevant with as we're looking even maybe to the end of 2022.
1: Absolutely. All right, Amber, I really have one more big-picture one for you. So take it all home for us.
4: Why is meal
1: planning an important part of the Senior Living Culinary Program? I mean, I, I have a few guesses as to why, but you can probably say this succinctly better than I can.
4: Sure, absolutely. So I think first and foremost, marketing. I think you put your menu together, your menu program, and you have a philosophy that really speaks to the community, especially maybe in your region or geography, because it might change a little bit depending on where you're located and what type of population or clientele you're trying to reach. So I think it would be really important to have your menu planned, get an example of that on the website, you know, work with the marketing department and really market, you know, your philosophy. Do you have an on site chef that is preparing fresh Desserts and breads daily? How many offerings do you have? What are your menu service hours? So that way, as the general population is looking for their next community to reside in, they can look at that and say, does this align with what I'm looking for? Versus not having that and leaving it up to them to kind of guess what that is. I think it's also important for consistency of the program. I think that. The menu isn't planned for whether it's a two week cycle or up to four week cycle or more. I think that there may be isn't that consistency if you're just trying to throw it together week to week. So I think that having that consistency to say, I'm using these proteins, I'm used so often throughout however long the cycle is, I think that's gonna get the most consistency in there and say, okay, do I have too much beef on this week or too much chicken on this week and really make sure it kind of feels the same and the client's going to be expecting a certain level of service with that. And I think lastly, it's important to do meal planning, especially if there is a population that requires a certain diet restriction or any type of therapeutic modification. So a lot of times it in assisted living and long-term care. Maybe you don't see that as much, but I think that as the population may be becoming more health conscious and we always keep wellness front of mind, we may want to market or plan for a heart healthy diet or more of a diet geared towards consistent carbohydrates if there's any type of diabetic concern. So I think those are a few ways that Planning them, and you can really improve the senior living organization and, and help them kind of get out there. Fantastic.
1: Well, we've sort of reached the end of our plan discussion today. So again, thank to our panelists and for everyone tuning in. Have a great day, stay well, and stay safe. Take thanks, care, everyone. Staff. Thank Peace you. Out.
0: Thank you. That concludes the latest episode of the Post Acute Point of View from Matrix Care. We have a lot of guests and topics coming up that you won't want to miss. So be sure to subscribe. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, and if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, leave us a review. To learn more about Matrix Care and our solutions and services, visit MatrixCare.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Be well, and we'll see you next time.